Go Light presents Murder Most Irish. job just if anybody wants to employ me if you send an email to jesus care of the uh, pentagon send an email to the podcast and email um murder most irish podcast yeah and at gmail.com. gmail.com and say i'm not great at many things so hey uh but i could bring a little bit tiny bit of levity for the first couple of weeks and then my real personality would kick in and i would just be silent i think you bring humility to every conversation i think i would and uh, every sit in the corner like this and I think you bring... S- Every now and again giggling because I'm listening to a podcast. Yeah, and I think you bring support and care. Not well, you do to me. That's gone out the window now. Mark. You do to me. That's fully gone out the window. I was listening to... Um, I shouldn't I shouldn't listen to or watch Trixie and Katia when I'm in work. Because they're so funny. They are very funny. They're so genuinely funny. Like, Katia is unhinged and I love her. And I wish yeah. her all the best in life. No more drugs. No more drugs. Unless she wants to take drugs. No, no more drugs. She can't take drugs. She's an addict. Oh, okay, no more. What are you picking her? I've got a trend pulled on. No! Yeah, but I'm actually, you know what I'm actually doing? What? Because I'm a weirdo. My nails need to come off. Are you putting it under it? See yep. if you can... And I like the feeling. No, I get it. But... I... Do you hate the feeling of when you're washing your hair? Yes. Like... I had a shower this morning to try to get rid of this headache and uh, um, I, my hair kept getting caught in my it's nails. It's the fucking worst. Um... It's a real first world problem. It's the last time I get my nails done because I'm unemployed. I should not be stupid, bitch. <laughs> What's going on? Hey, everybody. I've seen you too much. <laughs> Welcome to this week's... I have week's... nothing to say to you. Welcome to this week's episode oh, of the podcast. I'm going to talk over you. You talk right now. If you keep, talking, you keep over talking over me, me if you keep, you keep talking, listening to me, stop it. Because I don't have a job. I, I'm unemployed. Yeah, and you remain unemployed. <laughs> <laughs> now that's not bad because Sarah did a fart about five minutes before we started this podcast and it genuinely shook the fucking room. Like, I did not. It she was... went to, oh, it smells really bad. She went to me, she's lying in the bed, she goes, listen to this. And I thought she was going to play a song on her phone. And she was like, <laughs> it was, it was, uh, it went, <laughs> it was it a loud went, one. Yeah, it did. It was a loud one. I have no news. Nothing's going on. Is anything happening? No. <laughs> I went to Dermot Kennedy with Lily. You did? I'd like to say thanks to everybody that helped us get tickets. Madness. It was very stressful. It was a, a running around trying to get tickets situation. Yeah, but it was... I'm delighted she got to go. And she had a good time. She had a bloody <gasps> ball. Although not in the beginning. In the beginning she was like, uh, can we... Because I think in her head she was like, you're right up close. Oh, but you were in a field. Yeah, we're in a field. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. also, she's too little to get in a mosh pit. Of course, pit. yeah. Um, a mosh pit, Tom Kelly. So. Open up this pit! I wish that was a mosh pit of Tom Kennedy. I heard, I saw, did he play Glastonbury? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it was the gig you were at. I was scrolling on my phone, looking at Glastonbury stuff yesterday, and uh, he was he was there. And he's he was very like, intense. he's very intense. He was like, 
I just want you to all imagine for this song, right? He said that. The, the one person, shut the fuck up and play the song. Graham said. There are seven year olds down here. Yeah, Graham was like, whoever he is going out with, God love them. Yeah, he's very intense. He was, and every the single. Lady, the ladies love him. Ladies love him. Every country. single song he was like, I just want you to sing this with me. <laughs> I was like, I only know three of your songs, sing sir. Sing it yourself. Sing it yourself. Um, yeah, but every, like, I, I it was funny because, uh, you remember you were telling me he's really intense. Yeah. And then I saw him and I was like, oh, he is really fucking intense. No, honestly. And he was like, I just want you all to know that you are loved. You are loved. Everybody. You, Especially no. as Irish people, we need to know. No. We're loved. Give it a rest now, Dermot. And all the kids were like. People, the women Play giants. The women, the women love a bit of Dermo, they do. He has a beautiful voice, but like, he's no bops. No bops. And he didn't play the one bop he does have. Here, uh, somebody answer me this. When you go to a concert and it's like um, full of ballads, what do you do? What do you do? And I'm not even trying to be bitchy now or a cunt. Maybe I am a little bit. But what do you do? Just stand there. Like me, like there what was, do you do? I don't know. Because after McKennedy, there was like, I said, me and Michaela were talking about that. And I was like, like, he's got like, he's got very f- he's got like three bops yeah that are bops right, right. that are like we used to be giants so you could jump around and dance yeah or the, what's the one he plays at the end somebody to you whatever anyway alright um and uh then the restaurant is like I was in no. looking in your eyes. No. I was on Grafton Street on a winter day. They always talk about they love Grafton Street. As much as you in this moment. If I wrote a song about Dublin, if I wrote a song about Dublin, I talk about those like really small streets that you don't actually know the names of them. Like like the tiny little avenues that go into things. Like you know that avenue, uh you know when you're on Grafton Street and you cut down through that avenue to go to Georgia Street Arcade, the little tiny one with the jewellery store? Yeah. Yeah, that one. I want to find out the name. I just write about those little streets, those oh. tiny little streets. Because I was like, I was on Grafton Street. Shut the fuck up. Oh, I was walking Shut past the Molly Malone. <laughs> yeah, literally. That's, like, sure. They're all singing about some woman who with long hair and her hair blowing the in the wind. in the jacuzzi. She's got a little, like, a little, you know, red-tinged cheeks. And she's not wearing any makeup, but she doesn't need to wear makeup because she's so beautiful. She's so beautiful. But she doesn't know she's beautiful. Oh, that's, yeah. The appendage that you always need. She doesn't know she's beautiful. Yeah, men like when women don't know they're oh, beautiful. Men like when women think they're a fucking seeming pile of shite. Yeah, like that's like their thing, right? Same thing. That's a good point. Um, I was watching all the highlights of Glastonbury and fucking fair play to see Matt. She played a blinder. Mm. She was so good for like that crowd and she's she's a relatively new artist. She was fantastic. And then I saw... Who else did I see? I saw... Sparks, they were great. I wasn't at Glastonbury. No, they were not great. The turnips. Um, he pisses me off so much. I know he does. Like, it's just sing the song. Why? What does he do? He does this thing where he speeds up the lyrics so people can't sing along with him. Why? So because what he goes, go me, this is what he does. What he goes, go me, and people are like, uh. What? Because he doesn't want people to sing along with him. Will I tell you why? Because he's a fucking bell end. Come for me, Archie Monkey fans. I don't give a fuck. Alex Turner is a bellend. Why does he... Because he doesn't want people singing along with him. Why? He wants to sing the, the song thing? himself. Is that not the thing? So he's like... <laughs> so he does. Like, it's <laughs> insane. I'm like, this man is fucking crazy. He is making so much money from these events that he thinks he's too good for. Just sing the song. And now he's singing with an American accent. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's all. Fuck off, Artie. Why'd you only ever call me when you're 
wherever they're from I don't know and Sheffield they're from fucking Sheffield and they oh, anyway they pissed me off I was like that laryngitis got cleared up quick smart didn't it people online were online defending them there is no defence artists do this all the time when they play festivals in Ireland in the summer it's usually Glastonbury or Leeds and Reading or another big festival that they have two days later and all of a sudden they come down with a mysterious illness and they can't play. They do it all the time. But why are they booking everything so close know, together? They, also, they obviously do it and then be like, we can't do this. He didn't have laryngitis. He didn't want to play in Dublin because he wanted they wanted to keep he wanted to keep his voice for Glastonbury. Which, okay, is fine. But if you're going to play Glastonbury, don't do it four speed. And don't book a full live tour. Yeah. And like then... Lewis Capaldi came out and announced... Ah, uh, God bless him. Jesus that's Christ it, he's done. break your fucking heart he would that was a poor chap like Jesus Christ I feel so bad for him like his tics were so bad they were during the show oh like it's it's hard to watch it in the sense that you know he's in pain because they hurt like they fuck like they pull at his muscles he doesn't have any control over them so it's like a jolt so he's in like pain they hurt they hurt the ticks hurt him oh I didn't know that because he just like it's like say like like it's like me grabbing your arm pushing your arm you'll get a punch in the face (laughs) but it's because he doesn't have any control over what's happening so he's not ready for the kind of jolt or whatever but I felt bad for him and I hope he's okay and mental health is very very hard so good best of luck to Lewis Capaldi all the best to Lewis Capaldi Alex Turner Uh, were the Foo Fires any good? Ah, oh, they're always good. Foo Fires are always Foo good. Are, oh, I know people don't like Foo Fires. I get why people don't like Foo Fires, but I will say this: if you ever go and want to go see a band and have fun, they're solid. Go fucking see the Foo Fighters. Like they're the best crack. They play their good songs in the normal speed that they're meant to play them, and they don't think they're too good for stuff. No, that's true. And that's one thing about them: they'll play anywhere. Like you know, they can play. They'll play anywhere and make a crowd feel like. We want to be here. Yes. Yeah. I'm in a suit and a tie. I was in front of this. Okay. I can't stand it. I get that. This is called Emma Hates Alex Turner. Okay. Is that the name of this week's episode? It's the name of this week's episode. And oh. I feel bad for the rest of that band because I'd say they're like, we just have to keep going with this. Well, I think that's how the 1975 must feel. Who's that? That Matty Healy. Oh, guy. yeah. Do you see Rina Sawayama? Yeah. Yeah. She is so beautiful. She's so cool as well. Oh my god, she's she's in John Wick. And when I was watching John Wick Four, she's in John Wick. Yeah, she's the girl in John Wick Four. You saw John Wick Four, right? Yeah. Yeah, she's the girl. What girl? The girl, the sword girl. She's the daughter of the guy who owns the hotel. That's Rina Sawayama. Yeah. So apparently, the director was on YouTube one night just watching music videos, and her music video came up, and he's like, "I want her in one of my movies." That movie's a pile of garbage. It's ridiculous. That part and the stairs, man. No need for it. I never get that time back in my life. <laughs> That's how I feel about it. Like, you know when people say that and they just say, I actually mean it. Yeah, no, you never get it back. I never. I just kept looking at Flavio being, is this gone? I'll never no? get this time back. Is this still working? He hasn't got it plugged in. No, it is. It just got very low very quickly. How do I turn it up? I don't know. I'm not touching anything. Um, yeah, she is. She's so beautiful though. I thought she, thought she was a beautiful lady. That's the true. Um, do you have any housekeeping? Housekeeping? Yeah. I don't have any housekeeping. Oh, I do. We just got, Keelan just sent us our art for the two dates, the sugar date, the sugar the MMI live tour. Uh, tour. <laughs> she just sent us the, t- the artwork we're going to use on the merch for the tour. Not, it's not a tour, Sarah, for the two dates that it we're in the sugar tour. club. Um, it's amazing and fantastic. And I'll put a picture of it 
uh, here uh, in the notes for this episode but thank you so so much to Keelan we love it it's amazing she's gone above and beyond she really has like um, she's so supportive of she this really podcast. is like and we I don't think we'd have the following we have if it wasn't for Keelan because no. she was the first person person to put us on her her Instagram page and talk about us and tell people they got tattooed about her and then she she was telling me that people were finding her through us as well Aww. which is so nice like that's so fucking cool that you can be supportive and, and get that to happen so Keelan thank you very very much we absolutely adore it it's wonderful it's based on the movie poster for Ghost, Ghost World, World. So that's what we, we did it for with. So yeah, it'll be on merch. Uh, yeah, so we'll get all that sorted if the Sugar Club ever decide to email me back. What's on the Patreon this week? Uh, on the Patreon this you're week. You're a fucking pig. Uh, the Patreon this week. Uh, this week's Patreon drive. is a, a drive. drive. We're doing a drive. We drive around. We went to Cork Park. Who knows Park. what we talked about? Did we? That's where we went. We went to Cork Park. Someone we told me that when we were in Cork Park, Ailish did, that about an hour after we left, there was two people arrested for dealing drugs. It was us. It was us. That's why we are doing this show by week, I'm by, dealing by monthly. Because uh, we got to go horse. to court. Um, but yeah, she's on the horse. But yeah, so that's everything. I think uh, I don't have any other housekeeping that I know of. Um, thank you very much to everybody for signing up to the Patreon. We really appreciate it. Um, and thank you to everybody for still listening to our podcast. As we mentioned last week, we're going to be doing bi-weekly episodes just for the summer. Bi-monthly. Bi-weekly. Bi-monthly. But my monthly is every two months, bi weekly. Oh. Uh, so we're going to do bi weekly episodes and then we'll be back to our normal uh, times when the sun is gone and it's miserable and we've nothing else to do. It's so warm. It's, it's so warm. Sad, so I'm not dealing with this at all. Uh, no. Why do you only call me? Why do you only call me? Why do you only call me? When you only call me? When you only call me? When you only call And even he's copped on and he'll play creep. Do you know what I mean? Oh yeah, no bands that are like we don't. Get over hands. yourselves. You know who would do that? The Foo Fighters. Go see Foo Fighters. It's a bit of crack. You'll have the bands. Everybody in that band drop dead. You'll have a great time. Is this picture real? No, okay, it sure. can't be real. That's beautiful. Wow. Ortiz <gasps> falling apart. Ortiz is falling apart. <laughs> it's got shot. They're all out protesting today. All the workers. Being like, you lied to the general public. Yeah. Tell them the truth. The unions are out today. And then Claire, what's her name, had to say on her radio show how much she's getting paid for the radio show that she does for RTE. Why was it? How much she's getting paid? 375. €220,000 a year. €220,000 a year for reading a script Monday through Friday for two hours. Um. That somebody else wrote. Anyway, we're gonna do. A, well, Sarah's gonna do a story. Sarah's a migraine, so we're gonna battle through this. Um. So, Colin's gonna stick an ad in here for the Patreon. Nah. <laughs> um. And then I'm gonna do a story. Give me six euro. I'm unemployed. Hey, Colin, tell us about the Patreon. Sure thing, Lily Pops. Hey there, MMI fans. It's me, Colin, and do I have news for you. It's all going down over at www.patreon.com forward slash Irish, where we've totally revamped our Patreon offering for you mega fans. 
That's right. Now all of your favorite Patreon stuff can be found in one place as we bring you our MMI Super Show exclusively for Patreon. Featuring all the usual banter and chat between Emma and Sarah Jane, plus me thrown into the bargain, along with Lily's Tales, Maximilian's Bell Bag, and some surprises along the way. But that's not all. Every single week, due to popular demand, we will be bringing you a full-length story, whether it be Miscellaneous Most Irish for those cases that just don't fit on the main show, Murder Most International for those cases you guys have been crying out for, or even Music Most Awesome where we talk about our favourite albums. But wait, there's even more! How about MMI Drive, the fan-favourite podcast show where Emma and Sarah Jane drive around Dublin talking about all sorts of shite, plus our monthly Ask Me Arse segment where you get to pick the brains of the girls and maybe even ask me a question or two. So what are you waiting for? Come on over to www.patreon.com forward slash Irish and join in the fun for only six euros a month. Give my mommy six euro. Anyway, welcome to this week's episode of Murder Most oh, Irish. We're doing that now, are we? <laughs> I'm going to tell you a story. She's going to tell me a story, 23 verses long. Of a woman who diddled and diddled along. R.I.P. to whoever you want to talk about now. Uh, so I'm going to talk oh, about Bridget Cleary. Bridget Cleary. Cleary's clock. Oh, yeah. Under Cleary's clock. That's not I how the song goes. I met my wife under Cleary's clock. There's a song she about... She didn't touch me cock till yeah. we got married. <laughs> <laughs> There's a song about Cleary's clock about uh, a, a gay man who... Uh, would meet other gay men under Cleary's clock. Oh. I don't know. I think it's one of the guys from the Pogues. I don't know. Okay, go on. Bridget Cleary was born on the 19th of February, 1869. Oh, it's an oldie. In Ballyvaldea, County Tipperary, Ireland. She was born Bridget Boland and she had brown hair, blue eyes and she grew up in like a loving home. A loving, nurturing well, home. Well, must be nice. <laughs> I wouldn't know. <laughs> Isn't she privileged? Uh, living around 15 miles away from Clonmel, she did well in school and was smart and enjoyed reading and being creative. She took full advantage of her skills and went on to attend school in Clonmel um, and like fin- like went on to the next level in school, which is really unusual yeah, for women. very unusual. Um, and she became a fully qualified dressmaker or a milliner. Ooh. She returned home with an industrial singer sewing machine and began a business and she became a dressmaker and a milliner and she was economically independent and her own father later stated that Bridget fully supported the entire family. Like she was fully financially in all the money. supporting all of them. Ireland was moving on from pagan beliefs and the Catholic Church hold, held a massive amount of power in Irish society. All beliefs, beliefs and traditions remain in some areas and older generations currently still have very strong beliefs in Irish pagan beliefs, such as fairies or the good people as they were known. Our fo- folklore portrays fairies as mischievous, vain, easily offended creatures who confuse and steal. Did you guys have the fairy thing up here? No, Emma, because I'm not from the country. I was terrified of fairies. We were told if we stepped in a fairy fort that they put needles in your bed at night. Okay. Yep. Uh, examinations of the religious and pol- political and sociological attitudes surrounding the case at the time were to uncover Ireland's attitude towards women, religion and supernatural and often a, sent- a sentimentalised sentimentalised? Yep. Sentimentalised aspect of Irish history. Bridget married Michael Cleary on the 6th of August 1887 in the Roman Catholic Church in 
Drangan in County Tipperary. The couple had met earlier in the month in Clonmel. Like, yeah. I'm sorry? Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't even let a man speak to me within a month. Where he worked as a cooper and she served as the dressmaker's apprentice. Michael lived in Clonmel and Bridget, Bridget continued to live in her family home after they got married. So they didn't live together. They didn't live together? unusual isn't it? during this period of living apart Bridget's independence continued to grow with her keeping her own flock of chickens good woman the eggs to the neighbours which is somewhat unusually unusual for the era and location she was also a professional woman following the death of Bridget's mother the Clearies the Clearies found themselves responsible for her elderly father Patrick Boland due to his due to his previous job he was a labourer so Michael and Bridget were able to secure a house in the village that was usually kept for labourers, but they managed to secure it because of Patrick Boland. However, no one wanted it because there was widespread lack of interest because it was built on the site supposed to have been a fairy ring fort, which like you don't do. You don't build houses on fairy ring forts. No. You don't you don't build anything on them. We were fucking terrible. And then I wrote and Irish people be nuts. Yeah. And literally still believe in fairies. I was ter- I would if I was out you now and I saw a fairy for it, I wouldn't stand on it. Like I wouldn't step on it. Tradition claimed that ring forts were fairy forts inbound with druids or imbued with druids magic. So like they people believe that the druids like essentially put magic in these fairy forts <laughs> magic and believers in fairies did not alter them the early pre-celtic inhabitants of ireland known as tua de Nanon or fairbolg came to see them as mystic mythical and are associated with stories of the fairies also known as the good people i've never heard that before the good people fairy forts and prehistoric tumuli or tumili were seen as entrances to the other world mm. Um, even cutting brush, especially this, the white torn on fairy forts or around fairy forts, was reputed to be the death of those who performed the act. So if you're like cutting down any like trees or bushes in and around a ring fort would be like, you're going to die. This is my childhood right here. Yep. There are many folk tales about supernatural events happening at fairy forts. Real accidents, which happened to be at fairy forts, could be given supernatural explanations. For example, a man who tried to blast a dolmen surface, uh, he suffered a septic hand and then, like, essentially died. But also the, the, whatever he was trying to blow up, which is like a dolmen, which is essentially like a Neolithic stone um, believed to be put there by Druids or yeah Druids um, was apparently remained untouched but the thing about like Irish mythology like you had storytellers in the town and stories just grew and continued Thick past legs, like, yeah. um, <clears throat> other traditions hold that a leprechaun may allegedly known of <laughs> hidden gold in a fairy fort in literature British author Rudyard Kipling made allusions to the process by which such legends grow in 1906. Um, so, like, he pretty much just said what I said, where he was like, these things grow because people continue they to talk, talk about, about them. them. Yeah. Um, folk tales associated with fairy forts typically relate a, cor- a curse or retribution uh, encanted upon those who would disturb or destroy the structures. 
For example, one story collected in 1907 relates that a man had encouraged workmen to level an earthwork ferry fort at Dunneva, um, in Lahinch in County Clare and that he simply fell dead. His wife, a wise woman, magically resurrected him unharmed. Okay. Other folk tales relate to the taking of farm animals or people nearly never men. Always, always women. women and children to be replaced with the occupants of the fairy forts. So there's always in like our history it's pretty much witchcraft yeah. it's pretty much the idea that this Paganism, yeah. yeah woman has become something that is like essentially evil or demonic um and it's usually and nearly always a woman who is independent a woman who isn't married yeah. a woman who's very good looking and it's the same for children um, they're always female. As recently as 2011, the financial ruin of developer Sean Quinn was bla- blamed on his moving <laughs> of a fairy fort in 2017. And in 2017, a Kerry politician reputedly suggested that an instance of road subsidence had been caused by the presence of a fairy fort. No, I stopped believing in this when I was like 10. Maybe younger. Yeah. So, back to the story. Despite their eight years of marriage, the couple had no children. But by all accounts, they were happy. Um, uh, but Bridget was also fiercely independent with significant income in comparison in comparison to their neighbours. They were known to be well off. Okay. March 1895, Bridget was going about her business. Um, when she, It's around the 10th of March is what I have gathered. Yeah. She was out delivering eggs to her uncle's house and a local customer and, and local customers in the area and she'd been delivering eggs in Kilnagrana, the site of a fairy ring fort. Kilnagrana, that's in Tipperary, yeah? Yeah. According to local folklore, when she was caught in a heavy downpour of rain, when she made a home, she had caught a cold and took to the bed. Over the next number of days, her cold became more serious and she developed bronchitis. That's what I do. Colin says I do. Take to the bed. Oh, you take to the bed. <laughs> I take to the bed. <laughs> um... So it's important to know that this is 1895. Antibiotics are not developed or discovered until 1928. Isn't that mad? That's crazy. Yeah, antibiotics don't These exist. These fuckers were dropping dead. Mm-hmm. No, you don't give antibiotics for bronchitis, but... No, but for like any other thing. Yeah. So they were clearly just dropping dead and everybody was like, uh, no, it's the fairies. <laughs> now, this is another interesting point. Although chronic bronchitis was first named and described in 1808, the disease has been known since the earliest time and numerous drugs have been utilised in its therapy. The basic historic theories of human function have readily been applied to bronchitis. So in Greek medicine, they called it like excess phlegm. But like they gave garlic, pepper, cinnamon, turpentine... Whereas later therapy of choices were coffee, ipecac, potassium nitrate. Most of the flavoured broncholator drugs of today are derived from the traditional folk remedies. That's crazy, yeah. So like Bronco Stop, for yeah, example. Yeah, Bronco Stop, like the cough bottles you can get yeah. always have those things in them, yeah. The most interesting histor- historical drugs, however, are those that have given risen to mucinetic agents such as bromhexine and iodides. So... In this time, fairy there was this just made me think of my mom when I was reading. This is my mom all over. Uh, fairy doctors still existed, so people <laughs> who gave like essentially cures. For, yeah. Like, so 
It's interesting because the fairy doctor's prescription for like bronchitis is pretty much this. So there is some truth to them potentially being homeopathic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, hey guys, uh, give us a thumbs up if you would like me and Sarah to go and interview various people who give the cure. <gasps> How fun would that be? But they'll throw us out because I'd be like, no, you yeah. just have to fix your face. Yeah, fix I your have face. To fix my face. <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, sure you do. But it'd be interesting, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, no, give us a thumbs. Hey guys, hey guys, give us a thumbs uh, up on this like video. Like and subscribe if you think that we should go do that. Hey guys, like and subscribe if you think we should review frozen pizzas. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to do that. I love a Dr. Rucker. I just think of uh, community. You know that oh, old yeah, man? Yeah. <laughs> I give this Papa John's <laughs> two thumbs. <laughs> um, so... As the days went on, Bridget was well. Like, she wasn't, like, deathly ill. Yeah. So she was well enough to keep up with visiting family and friends, sitting up with them. As the week went on, however, her condition became worse. But again, she wasn't deathly. Michael made the four-mile walk into the city to get the doctor to come to the home. The doctor committed to come, but never arrived. And that that probably tells the tale that, like, she wasn't that ill. She wasn't super, super sick. Three days later, her her father also made the same walk and pleaded with a physician to come to the house. In and around this time, there are people in Bridget's family, Bridget's dad, Bridget's husband, Bridget's uncle in particular, who's like deep in like pagan beliefs, where they're saying that she's a, a changeling. Great. So they're the ones that are going to a doctor to try get medicine, but it's not because she is any worse. It's because they think she's a fairy. And is it only because she's like super independent and looks after herself and doesn't need no man? I get into the reason as to, according to Michael, why he thinks she's a fairy. So the doctor committed but never came. Three days later, her dad walks into town, pleads with a physician to come to the house. The family members continue to visit the home. And although still ill, Bridget is still up talking to visitors. Michael's also made the visit to a fairy doctor. The fairy doctor's already also come out to the house. It's like, oh, Colin. Hey, fairy doctor. Hey, you fairy doctor. <laughs> hey, fairy doctor. I'm going to call all the gays that next Friday. <laughs> hey, fairy doctor. Um, this would have been very common at the time and the old pagan tradition still lived on. Michael had become increasingly concerned for his wife's welfare and began to look for supernatural causes oh, for her illness. Okay. According to his later testimony recorded in the academic journal Folklore, Michael claimed the ailing Bridget was two inches taller and too fine to be his wife. Ha! Huh? You want fine looking bitch. And you too hot to be my wife. So everybody apart Sir, from... she was too hot when she married yes. you. I mean, now you're, so everybody in this story apart from Bridget is a fucking lunatic. Yeah, raven lunatic. Jesus Christ. So, yeah, she was like, she too fine. And Bridget was like, bitch, I was too fine when we got married. She was too beautiful. I'm out here selling my fucking eggs, making that money. She can dress make, she can sell eggs. I can fucking do it all. I don't need you, motherfucker. Is there a picture of her? Yeah, but it's very old. Okay. I'll put it up. Uh, So... Dawn, a local storyteller, or a shinoke, or shinoke? Oh, no, just let me see Sean K, Sean Ock, Sean Ock, Sean Hey, Sean K. I don't know. I've got a migraine. <laughs> Fairies are 100% coming for us after this story. He was apparently well versed in. Um, what was he well versed in? Because I can't see the fucking thing anymore because I've lost. Are you alright? Yeah. Uh, got an ocular migraine. 
He was well versed in fairy lore and he spurred on Michael's suspicion, telling him, it's not your wife in there. That's this not your motherfucker. At Dunn's urging, Michael went back to the local fairy doctor, Dennis Ganny, for a herbal cure. The fairy doctor gave Michael some medicine to give Bridget. This would be made up of milk and herbs. He just spat in a bowl. Yeah. There you go, bring him home. <laughs> <laughs> Did a little wee. <laughs> Rest in peace, Bridget. I'm very sorry for this. Did a little Bear Grylls <laughs> moment. Um, in the... <laughs> this is insane. So, I mean, it's a long time ago. Um... He gave her me- he gave Michael medicine that was made up of like milk and herbs. It was to be boiled and would have been absolutely revolting. And apparently the herbs would have been really bitter. Oh god. And you were supposed to drink it warm. Oh, fucking I would throw up. Yeah, no, there'd be no way you're getting that down. Michael finally convinced a doctor to attend the home as well. The fairy doctor. No, the no, normal no. Doctor, a normal doctor. doctor. Okay. And when the doctor finally arrived nine days after Bridget had fallen ill, he diagnosed her with nervous excitement. Female hysteria. And slight bronchitis. So again, she is not deathly. And for someone... She's doing okay. And for some unknown reason, Michael and her father like persisted in getting her read her last rites by a priest. So a priest came out and read Bridget her last rites just in case she died. Is this to get her money? I don't know, because she needs to be alive for the money. What the fuck is going on? Right? That night... As it went on, Michael became more and more hysteric, hysterical. So he was like now, like, he's like, troll. it's another thing about like, how you deal with like changelings is to like, throw urine on them. There was a case, <sighs> 10, a, a number of years before this, of a six year old baby girl who died because a fairy doctor told her mother that she was, she wasn't six, she was 10 months old, told her mother that she was a fairy and then told her to like starve her, then give her this boiled milk concoction, then put her on like slurry. So like essentially cow, cow shit fish. and leave her out in, on the slurry. And she died from exposure. Um, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. So. So is this insane? No, it's insane. That night, as things began to grow it's almost like mass hysteria took over so you've got three men that now think she's are losing fucking their fucking shit fairy. you've got three other people that are like relatives and neighbours and they all start to like berate this woman they're all like you're like tell us you're not a fairy so her aunt walks in that night at about 10pm as other men are pinning her down and Michael is forcing Bridget to drink this bitter concoction of like boiled milk. And he's saying, he's saying, take it, you witch, or I will kill you to drive the fairy out. They then threw urine on her and threatened her. So another thing, uh, changelings are afraid of hot pokers. So are fucking, so are so so everybody. everybody. So he takes a hot poker and burns her forehead. And again and again, and Michael's questioning Bridget. He said, she's, she seemed wild and deranged according to the testimony of her cousin she was terrified Joanna Burke and by the end of the night however it seems to quiet down and settle in the cottage and he then starts to be satisfied with his like exorcism he's like in the name of God tell me your name is Bridget and she's like I am Bridget in the name of God I am Bridget I am your wife and he's like okay yeah so the exorcism is done 
So in the morning for the first time in nearly two weeks, Bridget, Bridget gets up and she's dressed in her typical like fashionable clothes, clothes to give her courage when she would like go among the people so like she then, they all thought that she was yeah. a fucking fairy so she like know. gets up and she gets dressed and she's like I'm gonna go out and like show everybody that I'm not a fairy this fucking thing is so insane um so yeah so she's out among the people Burke later recounted that afternoon several relatives came for tea but when Bridget asked for milk Michael's paranoia reignited because fairies are said to crave fresh milk Michael again took up his interrogation and Bridget told him your mother used to go with the fairies and that's why you think I'm going with Oh! Them. Oh! She said your ma's a slut. Your ma's a hoe. Your ma's a slut. Michael grew incensed forcing Bridget to eat several pieces of bread before trying so this is the other thing like when you're a fairy apparently forcing you to eat okay, bread. they're just making this up as yeah. they go along now. Um, he saw bread on the table and said. <laughs> so he then forced her to eat three slices of bread and then threw her to the ground. He then tore off her clothes and lit them on fire. He then grabbed an, another area of her clothing and lit that on fire and he then grabbed an oil gas canister and poured it over her and she just engulfed. So what the f- so she Fuck. just completely went up in flames and set the fabric alight. James Kennedy, who was a relative, yelled, for the love of God, don't burn your wife, don't set her on fire. And he said, Michael replied saying, she's not my wife. She's an old deceiver sent in the place of my wife. And Michael just set her on fire. Like he just... Bro, what the fuck? She then like burned to death in the house. And later that night, he then, with the help of the others, built, buried her in a shallow grave about a quarter of a mile from the cottage. Michael then spent the next three consecutive nights waiting on the Kilnagrana Hill for the fairies to return the true Bridget. So he sat there waiting for his wife to come back, even though he'd killed her. At any moment, he believed she would come galloping through the ring fort on a white horse. He'd cut her free, is what he taught, and they'd return home together. I think Michael might have a severe mental uh, health problem. So there is like a psychologist that did like a full um, thesis on this. And he was like, it was almost like mass hysteria. This is fucking crazy. But the authorities came first. And on Wednesday, March 20th, the police arrested eight people for their involvement in Bridget's death. After a highly publicised two-day trial in July 1895, Michael was charged with manslaughter. Jack Dunn, Patrick Boland and four of Bridget's cousins were also found guilty. The legal hearings ran from the 1st, of the si- from the 1st to the 6th of April in 1895. A tenth person had been charged and one of the original nine was discharged discharged at this stage leaving nine defendants bound over the trial the court session began on the 3rd of july and the grand jury indicted five of the defendants for murder as above the evidence showed that on 15th of march michael summoned a michael summoned father ryan back to cleary household ryan found bridget alive but agitated Michael told the priest that he had not been given his wife, that he'd not given his wife the medicine prescribed. So he'd stopped giving he her never the medicine gave by his doctor uh, because he had no faith in it. And according to Ryan, Cleary then said 
People may have some remedy of their own that might do more good than the doctor's medicine, or something to that effect. Bridget was given communion, and Ryan departed later that night. Neighbours and relatives returned to the Cleary house, and an argument ensued, again twinged or tinged with fairy mythology. At some point, Bridget told Michael that the only person who's gone off with fairies had been his mother, and Michael attempted to force-feed his wife, throwing her on the ground before the kitchen and the fireplace, and menacing her with a burning piece of wood. Bridget's uh, shemmy caught fire, and Michael then threw lamp oil or kerosene all over Bridget. And you know those clothes went up so quick. So quick. The witnesses were unclear as to whether she had already been dead by this point because they they think that when he was force-feeding her, he choked choked her. her. But I don't think so. Um, Michael kept the others back from her body as it burned, insisting that she was a changeling and had been for a week previously and that he would get his wife back from the fairies. As part of the trial, the jury was actually led out to the storage building where Bridget's body was being held for burial where it was available for viewing. Yeah, no, the jury were like shown her body. The jury were given the opportunity to see the condition of the body and the extent of her injuries, as well as the personally verified that the body was indeed Bridget's and not a fairy. Yeah. What the jury witnessed in the outbuilding convinced them of the horrible suffering Bridget had endured prior to her death. He also burned her with a poker in the head, so she would have had that mark. mark. Charges against one co-defendant, William Ahern, were dropped. Three others, John Dunn, Michael Kennedy and William Kennedy, were convicted of wounding. Patrick Kennedy was sentenced to five years of penal servitude. Michael Kennedy was sentenced to six months of hard labour. And James Kennedy was sentenced to 18 months of hard labour. William Kennedy was sentenced to 18 months of hard labour. Mary Kennedy was released owing to, owning to her age and fragility. A frail, not fragile, frailty. Patrick Boland was sentenced to six months hard labour. And John Dunn was sentenced to three years of penal servitude. Michael Cleary was found guilty of manslaughter. That's not manslaughter. And he was sentenced to 20 years of penal servitude. He spent 15 years in prison... He was released from Maryborough, which is now Port Leash, on the 28th of April 1910. He moved to England to Liverpool, from which he then emigrated to Canada in July of the same year. And on the 14th of October 1910, a black bordered letter was sent from the office of the Secretary of State, Home Department of London, stating that Michael had now emigrated to, Mon- emigrated to Montreal on the 30th of June and he lived out the rest of his life there. That is beyond insane. They like tortured that woman. For like 10 days. She must have been so terrified, Mm -hmm. Sarah. She had bronchitis. We've gone to work with bronchitis. Yeah. But as you said, it's not, all that is about is misogyny. It's just about, and unfortunately these older women as well who have a lot of internalised misogyny and think that women shouldn't be doing but they were happy enough to live off her money weren't they when she yeah. was making it that's fucking crazy that took a real dark turn yeah it did didn't it <laughs> it took a really dark turn I didn't think like when I was doing the research I was like what do you do to her and then when I was like he set her on fucking fire set her on fire 
That's like, not. It's amazing how we. Well, what to, to this day he'd probably be done for manslaughter. Uh-huh. Because for some reason, when a, ma- a husband murders a wife, it's like manslaughter. The argument for the manslaughter is that he was pretty much like criminally insane. Like they yeah, were like. I think there might have been something fully very, some very theories. wrong with him. Like, yeah, but good job, dude. That that took a took an old dark turn. Um, quicker than I thought it was going to happen. But Jesus Christ, fuck me, that's absolutely terrifying. She was the last woman as well, apparently, to be like uh, for that to happen to exercised as like a fairy. I doubt she was the last woman. I'd say she's probably just the last woman to die. Or the last and one uh, to be also the story about. made it like because like this is after the Great Famine, but it's not ma- it's not like hundreds of years. Yeah, after. it's not that long after um, it at all. So you've mass emigration. So like, um, the story made it all around the world. It made it all the way to it America. went everywhere. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it was in all the papers, and they followed the criminal trial. And I think that's probably one of the only reasons why, because he, he got like he got more time than like murderers get now yeah that's yeah um, and I think because it went around the, went around everybody the world, was interested like, and there was all those like also like we're in we're still in like like we're still in like war of independence yeah, yeah, eras yeah. like people so it, it still, had to kind of be seen that they were punishing them basically well I think also there was like this idea or this trope that like fucking backwards Ireland again yeah 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 um, we're not wrong so uh, excellent job my dude they came down on him pretty severely you did an excellent job. I thoroughly enjoyed that, however horrific it, it truly is. You're very welcome. I'm glad I could tell you about Rest the story in peace, of Bridget Carey. Jesus Christ, man. Yeah. Uh, we'll put up me. a picture of her. We will. I'll put it up uh, with, along with the show notes when we pop it up. I tell you the story, 23 verses long, about a woman who did old and died old along. He does a longer version of that. Did he? It's online, yeah. I like that that's my charger baby. That's my charger baby. baby. What was using it? you driving me crazy. Where's he at now? That's my charger baby on the left side of, of the, the bed. bed. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, everybody have a nice everybody week. Everybody have a nice week. Keelan, we'll thanks for doing our yes. uh, Thank you to Keelan. Thank you to all of you for listening. And uh, we're going to look into possibly doing a show in Cork, but I don't know if that's 100%. But Cork! Cork City. Are you How's going to do a show in Cork? How's it going, um, but we don't know how, how valid that is yet. But I'm going to do the it. entire episode. You or are show not in an. You are in not doing a Gorgas. How's it going, Boyle? How's it going, boy? Uh, we'll look into it. I don't know if it's if it's a valid thing to happen. Who's Dublin Jackie? <laughs> but we'll let you know. Uh, everybody, thank you very much. Have a lovely week. Say goodbye. Goodbye. I want to free bleed I want to free bleed I want to free bleed with no liner no gums, pants or tampons for me I want to free bleed Yeah I'm really okay with the spillage, the drippage, I just can't conceal. Clean up on all three, yeah. God knows, this is how my never should feel. It's strange.
Sarah Jane just free bleed Ooh, even Colin 